0: Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's word together. Today, we are in a series, starting a new series called Playlist. And uh, some of you are like, this isn't new. We did this last year, and um, you would be right. But, um, you know, I got a lot of great feedback on how the Lord moved in that series, Uh, how the Lord worked in a lot of people's lives. And every year I always pray like, God, what would you have us go for the teach throughout uh, next year? And, um, and like in a couple of months, I'll be doing that for 2023. I'll be praying, God, what would you have us go through in 2023? Uh, and, and I'll pray and get that all planned out. And, and so I did that. And I felt like the Lord really kind of led us to go back through the Psalms again. And, and so we only covered about seven or eight of them. So for the month of July, we're going to cover the next five. And it's going to be really fun. Uh, I'm excited to share these songs, these, these uh, words, these prayers uh, from the book of Psalms. And so really, the series is called Playlist a remix edition, because it's the same stuff, but just a little bit different. And, um, and I, I love the book of Psalms, because really the book of Psalms is really just a book of songs. They're songs for our life. And, and the thing is, is nothing can take us back to moments in our lives like music can. And you know what that song is for you. I'm not saying you have to confess it. Maybe at some point in the series, we'll have confession time of what your favorite song is. But you'll know, you you'll hear it in the radio, the movies, when you're spending way too much on groceries. You know, You'll hear that song come on and it'll take you back to a moment in time, a defining moment in your life. And many of the Psalms were written to the children of Israel uh, to remind them about defining moments in their life as well. You could trace a lot of the Psalms right back to different stories in the Old Testament. And the same is true for us thousands of years later because God has given us the book of Psalms to remind us of defining moments in our lives. You can go in and start reading the Psalm and it will remind you of the character of God, who God is. Maybe there's a certain Psalm that just kind of carried you through a difficult season in your life and it reminds you how God has brought you through that season. In fact, I think we could call the book of Psalms God's divine playlist for our lives. Because you could read in the book of Psalms, you could read a chapter and it'll describe worry, anxiety, stress, and and fear, and all these other emotions. And then you could just turn the page and then you'll read other moments of just joy and gladness and worship and adoration for who God is. But a theme that runs all throughout every psalm, is a complete dependence on the love and power of God. So today, we're going to be looking at a psalm, Psalm chapter 3. And it's by David, and David is believed to have written most of the psalms. And so this is a psalm by David. He's on the run for his life. People are wanting to kill him. They're they're coming after him, and, and he's freaking out, and he's stressed out. But what we're going to see by the end of it is that David has a complete love and dependence on the power of God. But this week, as I was reading through Psalm chapter 3, it was reminding me about life and about how life works and remind me that life isn't like those sitcoms in the 90s that I always enjoyed. I don't know how many of you loved watching the 90s sitcoms. Like, it's okay. You can admit it. Like, you know, we didn't have Netflix when I grew up. I didn't have Hulu. I didn't have Disney+. I had to suffer. I had to wait every Friday for TGIF, right? (laughs) Thank goodness it's Friday. That was what I had to watch. And and so our family would get together and we would watch Family Matters. We would watch Step by Step. We would watch Boy Meets World, right? Like there's those good ones and then of course, Never Fail. We would watch Full House. That was our favorite. Are you guys like and I'm not talking about this Netflix other garbage that they're trying to push on you. Like I'm talking the OG Full House. That was what it was. Now, I, I grew up in a house that I know I was a little privileged to grow up in because I had a mom and dad who loved each other. They loved my sister and I. You know, they loved the Lord. So I grew up in a very good household. But every time I watched Full House, I'd go, man, my life is rough compared to those people's lives, right? Like, you, you know what it would be like. You know, the show, it would be introduced to this funny sequence that they would open up with, and, and then you would be introduced to a problem. There might be some friction with the characters and a struggle there. And then, of course, the piano would start to play very softly in this heartfelt moment. And there might be a little bit of tears and a little bit of laughter. And in 30 minutes or less, you had this neatly wrapped up show with a lesson. And it was all good ending in laughter. But the reality is life does not work that way, does it? You and I both know that not every problem, every difficulty, every challenge that we face ends with laughter. It doesn't end in a 30-minute bite-sized, neatly wrapped package for us, does it? And sometimes the problems that we're facing will not disappear. It doesn't matter how much we're praying and we're praying and we're praying, sometimes our problems still exist. And sometimes, if we're being honest today, we can feel like it's me against the world. And that's the title of today's message, "Me Against the World." Because I believe today, as we look at this psalm by David, I believe that's how he felt. He has all these things, these problems, these issues coming at him. And I think he felt like, man, it feels like me against the world. And if we're being honest, in our situations, we can feel the same thing. But what I want to do is I want to read Psalm chapter three. I'm going to read the first two verses because what David does is he lays out the problem. And after he lays out the problem, uh, he's then going to kind of, we're going to get our points from verses three through eight. And uh, we're going to kind of learn what he's learning in his situation as well. Uh, But let's look. Chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says this, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. So we're introduced to the problem in this in the first two verses. And um, he just kind of lays it out. David lays it out before God. And and the background of Psalm 3 is this that David was the king of Israel. He was on the throne, but now he's being overthrown, and there are people wanting to take him off of that throne. In fact, his son Absalom is wanting to kill him. Now let that sink in for just a minute. Your own child wants to kill you. It's a very scary thing, not a happy thing. You can understand some of the fear and problems that he is up against, but not only that, David's closest friends His closest advisors, the people that he would share life with, the people he would be vulnerable with, they have now turned their backs on him as well. And they're like, we don't want you anymore, David. We're sick of you being this king. We want this other guy named Absalom. And so now David has been forced out of Jerusalem. He's on the run. People want to kill him so that Absalom can be king. If you want to read further into it, it's in 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 19. But David's like, here's the thing, God, not only have they taken the kingdom away from me, not only is my position, God, not only is my career as king God gone, David is like, hey, God, people are saying some things about me. They're like, they're like, hey, God has definitely left you, David. David, you are just like Saul. And that seems to be the thing that's hurting him the most. Now, if you were with us a few weeks ago, we talked about Saul. We said Saul once kind of followed the Lord Listened to the spiritual advisors that he had. But then eventually he thought he knew better. He thought his way was better. So he turned from God, turned from all of that, rejected God. And so God removed Saul and put David in his place. And so that's what these people are saying. They're like, David, you are just like Saul. God has turned his back on you. He has left you. And now Absalom is going to take your place. But I love this. Because as he lays out the problem in these first two verses, it's almost like he starts to have this heart change. He's reflecting on his situation. I feel like David, as he pauses, he's almost like, you know what, what is God trying to show me here? What is God doing? How is he working? What what is God doing in my situation? And when he does that, it seems like things really begin to change for him. Instead of him complaining for the whole rest of the psalm, David spends the rest of his psalm reminding him and reminding us thousands of years later truths about God's character and what God can do in your life and mine. I believe in the rest of the psalm, what David is trying to get at is he's like, listen, it's not me against the world and it's not you against the world. And so if you're here today and you feel like you're facing some big challenges in your life, if you feel like you're in a no-win situation, guess what? You're in the right place because I believe there's some things that God wants to remind us about himself today. I believe God wants to do a work in our lives today. I believe there are things that God wants to show us about what he's capable of in the midst of our situation. I believe that God would speak to every single one of us and say, it's not you against the world. It's not me against the world. And so let's look at some of these truths, starting in verse three. And the first idea that I have is that God is the source of my protection. God is the source of my protection. Verse three says this, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. It's interesting to me that David is reminding us that God is the protector of our in- from our enemies in two ways. One of those ways is that God remembers that God is the shield and not just any ordinary run-of-the-mill shield, but God is a shield around us, about us. Now, you need to understand, in this day, there were two types of shields. There was a the shield that you would have with your hand, you would hold with your hand and your forearm, and you would hold it like this, so you do hand-to-hand combat with the other, with the sword in your other hand. And then there was a much larger shield. It would be like if you were to take the front door off the hinges of your house, and you would use that as a shield, because it was just that big. And then what would happen is all these other soldiers would come alongside, interlock their shields with yours, and what you would end up having is this wall of shields in front of your enemies. But David is like, God, you are better than those shields because you surround me. You protect me from all sides. He's like, God, you are able to protect me and to watch over me better than I could ever protect or watch over myself. But here's the thing you need to know about shields. You don't need a shield when you're on the sidelines of a battle. You don't need a shield when you're retreating in battle. You need a shield when you're in the battle. And all too often, we're praying, God, take me out of this battle. And I think God would remind us today, I'm not going to take you out of the battle, but I'm going to protect you in it. I'll be with you while you're in battle this battle. I love what Deuteronomy 33 says. It says, How blessed you are, O Israel! Who else is like you? A people saved by the Lord. He is your protecting shield and your triumphant sword. Your enemies will cringe before you, and you will stomp on their backs. See, shields bring security. And I think that's the heart of what David is getting at. But not only is David reminding himself and reminding us that God is a shield to protect us from our enemies, but the other thing he's saying is God protects us by being the lifter of our head. And I love that. Because when you're ashamed, what do you do? You hang your head low. But when someone comes alongside and is the lifter of your head, that is a symbol of promotion, honor, and significance. God is the protector of your identity. David has found significance in his calling, that he is this, he is, his career is to be this king. And listen, there's nothing wrong with loving what you do. If you're in real estate, if you're in finances, if you work at a coffee shop, if you work retail, if you're a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, it love what you do. There's nothing wrong with loving what you do. But it can be a bad thing if it becomes the source of your significance. Because the reality is, one day you will have to walk away. God may call you to do something else. God may call you to move on. And if that causes a crisis in our identity, and you wonder, what's my worth? What's my value? That's when it can be a problem. Let me tell you, I've, I've had the privilege of being a, a pastor here for over a decade. I've had the privilege of being able to teach uh, for the last several years. And I love doing what I do. I love being able to walk alongside people when they're happy and they're in these joyous moments. And I love the honor of being able to walk with people when they're going through hard and difficult moments as well. It's the joy of my life to be the pastor of this church. The reality is one day I will have to walk away. The Lord will call me to move on. I'll have to pass this table, pass this pulpit on to somebody else. Now, I'm praying that it's not for a very long time. I believe the Lord has me here for a long time. But the reality is you're at some point not going to want to hear grouchy 80-year-old Nate's like no one. You might pray for Jen. I don't think she wants to hear that either. But one day I will have to pass this along. This is a big part of my life. I love what I do, but this cannot be who I am. This is not my identity you know, we've been doing baby dedications uh, a lot. And it's so great to see all this life. And, and honestly, we have a very big kids ministry. And so for a lot of us, we love being a parent. It's a big part of our lives. Now, some days are better than others. Let's just be honest. <laughs> but, but we could love being parents. You know, you're kind of the leader. You made kids. You are their leader, you know? And It's awesome. you you can, you can, you're raising them, you're growing them. And to me, I I often think about my life. I'm like, I don't know what my life looked like without kids. Like, what did I do with all that free time? You know? And so I love being a parent. It's a big part of my life, but it is not who I am. Because the reality is one day, hopefully, my kids and your kids will leave home and so it, is, it can be a big part of your life, but it is not who you are. And I believe this is where David finds himself. He's been driven from his throne, from his kingdom, where he found his worth and his value. Everything's been stripped away from him, and he finds, and he finally realizes the one thing he didn't realize that he had, and that was that his, he was a child of God. And maybe you're here today, and you're trying to find your worth and your value, Maybe you feel like everything's been stripped away from you and you're like, it's causing a crisis in your life. Let me tell you this, never sell yourself short on who you are and what your worth and your value is. And by the way, if you're ever curious, what's your worth and your value? You don't need to look any further than Jesus. Look at that cross. That tells you how much you are loved and how much you are worth. Jesus was willing to die for you God sent his only son to live and to die and to rise again so that you could be a right, you could have a right relationship with the father. You could be called God's son or God's daughter. That's how much worth and value that you have. Jesus was willing to die for you. I love what Romans 8 says. It says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share in his glory, we must share in his suffering. See, David thinks he has lost everything in his life. But in the midst of losing everything, he finds his value and his worth in God. And the same is true for us. Listen, your relationship status doesn't define you. Your job does not define you. What you drove in today doesn't define you. How much money you have in your bank account does not define you. The letters behind your name do not define you. What defines you is that you have a heavenly father and he loves you and he cares about you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Your identity is in him. So here's David. He's got all these problems. He's got all this stress. He's getting all worked up. And then he's reminded, man, God is the lifter of my head. He's remembering his identity. And then that brings him so much joy and peace. What ends up happening? He goes ahead. He goes and goes to sleep. Look at what he says in verse five. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Here's the second thing that you need to know is that God will change your perspective. God will change your perspective. Because I want you to notice something important in verse 5. David goes from sleeplessness, stressing out, having all these problems, to getting, going to bed, getting some rest, and waking up with a new perspective on a situation. It's almost like before. He's like, God, all these people are coming after me. Everything has been stripped away. Everything has been taken away from me. God, I'm really going through this problem and this issue right now. And then he, go, he walks away. He gets a little bit of rest. And then he has this new perspective. He's like, I don't really care how many thousands of people want to kill me. David's not scared because he remembers the past victories that God has given him. You know, here at Awaken, we try to uh, imitate that. Um, We have certain values that we have here at Awaken that um, help us reach the vision that God has given us. Just like your family will have certain values. There's things that you value for your family to achieve what they need to achieve. We as the church have those values as well. And so one of the values that we have is monuments drive the movement. And we want to remember the past victories as we continue to move forward. And so when you walk in this lobby, when you see that box on the wall, with the arrows, and you see all the beads in it, that represents the victories in our lives. That represents the victories that God is having in this church. They represent the answered prayers. They represent the people getting baptized. It represents people who've come to know the Lord. And if you haven't interacted with that, I would encourage you, go over there. Drop a bead in there. Because any time that we feel like, man, we're failing, or these things are wrong, or or, I don't feel like we're going to have any victories, we get looked at that wall And remember that God has been faithful in the past and God will be faithful in the future as we move forward. And here's the thing. David is resting and remembering in the past victories that God has given him. And so you might be thinking, what's the spiritual lesson in all of this? But here's the spiritual lesson. The most spiritual thing you can do sometimes is go to sleep. If you're freaking out, If you're stressed out, if you're bummed out about everything going on, just walk away. And once you get some sleep, you'll get a new perspective on things. And trust me, you will be reminded of the faithfulness of God. I'll be vulnerable here for just a minute. Like I said earlier, I love gathering together on a Sunday. I love getting with all of you, worshiping. Hearing, praying over you, praying with you, seeing how your week's going, seeing what the plans are, trying to set up coffee, all those kinds of things. I love gathering, worshiping the Lord with you all. It is so much fun. But then Monday rolls around. And Monday for me is a big study day. And so, what ends up happening on Monday is I'll show up here in the morning and I won't leave until about six. And I'll get here and I I kind of already have an outline because the week before I kind of generally know where I'm going, what I'm doing. And so I'll start on a Monday, and I'll start writing, and then I'll start rewriting, I'll start reading, and then I'll kind of go back, and about 11 o'clock, I'll go, what is happening? Like, am I even supposed to teach this right now? Like, what is going on? And so then I'll, I'll kind of take a break, and then I'll go back at it, and around 3 or 4 o'clock, I'll go, this is hot garbage. Like, I don't even understand. Lord, you say, like, you care about your people. You want your word to be taught. Apparently not this week. Like, I don't even understand what's happening here. Like, could you just write it for me? Like, you wrote the Ten Commandments. Could you just write a message? Like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't get this right now. And I'm struggling, and I'm wrestling through it, and I'm frustrated. And then I go home, and Jen always asks me, how was your day? And I hate that question. Because it just reminds me about, that's about, like, that's the Christian way of saying how I feel. (laughs) Some of you you have to watch that later to get that joke, but... I'll tell her like, I don't get this and I'm struggling through this and I'm fighting through this and I don't understand this. And why is the Lord giving me this? And, and I don't know what to do with this. I'm just frustrated. and I'm aggravated. And she always tells me, Nate, she's like, the Lord has always shown up. He's always given you the words. He's always faithful. He cares about those people. The message will come together. And I hate that too, by the way, like I, there is nothing more than I hate than that pep talk. And because I know those things are true, but I want like the answers in the back of the book, right? I wanted to just say, here's the answer to the sermon you're looking for. I'm like, great. You know, like that's how I want it to work. But what do I do? I go home. I sleep. I wake up. And guess what? I have a new perspective on things because then Tuesday's another big study day. And I'll sit there and it's like the Lord reveals new things to me. And then it's like, oh, all I need to do is, what about this over here? Or I got to transition here. Or what if I add this here? Or what if I take this out because I can put this in and say that clearly? See, if I just sit and I obsess and I obsess and I obsess, all I do is stress, stress, stress. And I'm trying to do everything in my own power. But when I get some rest, this is the lesson. I am showing my trust and my confidence is in the Lord, not in myself. And so for a lot of us, that's what we need to do. We need to stop obsessing. We need to stop stressing and we need to walk away for a moment. We need to say, I can't do this anymore. Because what you end up doing is making things worse when you should be resting. Rest, listen to this, rest is a gift from God. Amen. In fact, in Psalm 27, it says this, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. David sleeping in Psalm 3 is a great reminder for us to stop obsessing and rest in the promises of God. David was able to rest because he knew that the God who never sleeps was working, moving behind the scenes, and was protecting him. Now listen, David sleeping does not mean that David's like, oh, well, I'll just fold my hands and do nothing. The same is true for us. We don't need to just fold our hands and go, well, I'm just going to let go and let God. It sounds good, but it's wrong. You don't do that. You need to be wise. You need to make decisions. You need to take precautions when you can. But when you have done all that you can do, get some rest, get a new perspective on things. And show your trust and confidence is in God and not in yourself. Here's the last thought for us. God is the anchor in my life. God is the anchor in my life. Verse 7 and 8 says this. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. See, I think one of the reasons why at least I love the Psalms and why many of us love the Psalms is because of how raw and real and relevant they are for our lives. I mean, just think about it. We are reading an unfiltered prayer of David. This is an uncensored song. Like you would expect to see the mature label on it, right? And we could read this and we're like, yeah, like, that's right. God, would you be rocky and just kind of knock out the enemies? Like, that's what we need. But then all too often, how do we pray? Very timidly before the Lord. Oh, hey, God, uh, got a little bit of a situation here. I don't know if you know what's going down here on earth. Got a problem. I don't know if you can handle it. But that's not what David does, does he? He's like, God, would you hit him with a hammer? God, knock some teeth out, would you? Like... I believe as David closes his prayer, he realizes that the storm that he's in, with everyone wanting to kill him, with his job being taken away from him, I believe David realizes that God has his back. God is his anchor. In fact, I read a quote this week that said, in order to realize the worth of the anchor, one needs to feel the stress of the storm. Faith is put to the test during the deepest trial of our life. But here's the thing I love so much is that Jesus is our hope and Jesus is our anchor. That while the trials and the storms and everything is beating and crashing in on us and and coming in hard and we feel like we're drowning, Jesus is our anchor and he's our hope. A few months ago, I saw this kind of played out. I, I dropped my boys off at school and I came into work on a Monday and I got a call from the school. I was like, why are they calling me? Like, I'm the dad. Like, <laughs> you know, I kind of just show up where I'm supposed to show up. Amen, fathers. Like, yeah, I'm pretty involved, but I don't, sometimes I struggle a little bit. And I'm like, why are they calling Jen? Like, that's where you get all the answers. Like, even for me, that's where I get the answers. And So, so I'm like, what is going on? But I, I realized in the moment, I was like, well, so Jen, she's a, she works at the hospital here in Clarksville, very part-time, and she'll work the night shift, and she worked that night. And so I realized, well, they probably did call her. I'm probably the second or the third on that list, which is good. Um, but uh, but I, so I was like, I better pick this up. And so they said, Mr. Wittick. And I'm like, yes. And they said, um, we have a problem with Dawson. I'm like, welcome to my world. Like, you know, he's the youngest child. <laughs> I got problems too. Like, what's new? And so they're like, no, Dawson, he's got a, a 102 fever. And I went, oh, that is a little bit of a problem. And uh, they said, well, we need you to come and pick him up. And I was like, I'm about 20 minutes away. I'll come and get him. So I drive to the school, and I could see him. He's kind of hunched over, all kind of down in the chair. But he hears my voice, and I see him lift up his head, get a little bit of a smile on his face, waddles over to me. I pick him up, and I hold him. The nurse gives me the rundown of what I need to do and what's going on. And then she said, before you leave, let me tell you something. He came in here, and we were like, what's wrong, Dawson? And he goes, all I need is a nap and my dad. And I love that. That, that was so great because he didn't need mom. He needed dad, right? And I, and I love that. And then when they said, oh, yeah, Dawson, we called your dad. He's coming for you. And he goes, great. He's coming in a truck, too. You know, like he's excited. He loves that truck. And he's excited about that. And it's a Ford truck, too, by the way. So, you know, it's even more spiritual. But... <laughs> But here's the thing. Here's the, here's the point of this story is this, that in his world, he had a crisis. In his world, it felt like everything was coming in on him. He wasn't feeling good. He didn't feel like he could keep on going, but he knew that his dad was coming to his rescue. And the same is true for all of us here today. Your dad is coming to your rescue. He is coming to your rescue. And that's what David looks in the midst of his storm. He says, you know what? Everything that I'm facing, my heavenly father will come to my rescue no matter what. David has this godly strength, this godly perspective. Why? Because he's remembering that God is his anchor because he's the one that's gonna deliver him and lead him to where he needs to go. And so maybe you're here today and this Psalm 3 written by David is just hitting home with you because today you're in a crisis or you're in a storm of your own right now. And it has come uh, hard and it has hit fast. Pain has just been knocking at your door. And it has moved in and it has refused to leave. Listen, you are not alone today. You're in a room full of people who are either in one or have come out of one. David was in a storm in his life. Job lost everything in a day. Joseph had his brother sell him into slavery. Jesus, one of his closest friends, sold him. And so today you are not alone. But let me remind you that the Bible describes hope as an anchor. In Hebrews chapter 6 it says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And today, maybe you're in a place like David was. You're facing all kinds of opposition. Might be financial stress, marital problems. Maybe some opposition at work or at school. But I believe God would say, hey, don't freak out. Don't worry. Don't get all stressed out. Don't even feel like you got to take matters into your own hands. I believe what God would say to us is, I want to bless you, just like David's closing this prayer. God wants to bless you with the thing that you didn't even think about. And the thing that God wants to bless you with is his presence. I believe today God wants to remind you that he is your protector, that he will give you rest. I believe today God wants to remind you that he is an anchor, that it is not you against the world. It's not me against the world. But God is with us. And for all of us who call ourselves believers, that should give us hope and confidence in our God. Amen?